Good morning, church. Good morning, church, in this room. <laughs> Good morning, church, in every living room or wherever you're at. Um, we are here with you in spirit. Um, I've got an uh, adjustment here. I'm gonna come, well, actually, I'm going to come this way until everybody can get past me, and then I'll scoot back. Um, we are... Uh, we're continuing as a church, even if we're from living rooms, this beautiful living room that the Partains have opened up to us to meet in for church. Praise the Lord um, for all that he's doing through this. Uh, I just thank the Lord for all of you um, on the other side of that camera. Um, and I'm just imagining you right now. It's good to be with you in spirit. <laughs> I wish I could give you a hug. <laughs> we will. We'll get there. Uh, praise the Lord for what he's doing. Um, boy, we're, we're going through a study in growing in Christ <laughs> through the book of Colossians. Th this has been the theme of our study. Um, th these times are definitely times that can help us to grow in Christ. I, I hope that you're paying attention, not just to what's going on around us, but what the Lord is doing in it what the Lord wants to, to do in you in the midst of the challenges that we're in right now. Because we can grow in him through these times. That's something we see over and over again in scripture. God using adversity, using times of trial to grow us in him. Boy, our focus needs to be not so much on the things that are around us, but our focus needs to be on Christ. And that that's what we're going to get into this morning. As Paul is talking to the Colossians, um, he's going to be encouraging them uh, through this letter that he wrote to them to, put their, to, to seek Christ, to put their minds on the things where Christ is. So that's what his word is for us this morning as well. We're continuing Colossians, now moving into chapter 3. Um, if you'll turn with me, chapter 3 starting in verse one. And if you're, if you're tuning in to the stream, it's on a couple of places. Um, last week, we tried to do it on our website. And uh, praise the Lord, 11,000 churches last week signed up to be on that same platform that we went on to. And it, it crashed. Uh, so hopefully this morning it's working. So far, it seems like it's been working. Um, if you can get over there, there's a couple more resources for you. There's a chat and I, as your pastor right now, give you permission to talk during church. Um, if, if there's just a word of worship, a prayer, a verse even that comes to mind, feel free to drop that into the chat. We have a few hosts that are online as well. If you need prayer, even in the midst of the sermon, if you need prayer, um, you can click on a button there that says, that's to request prayer. And what that will do is it'll, it'll open up something where one of the hosts can can uh, open up an individual chat with you and get your prayer requests and pray with you right there. So I hope you make use of that. I'm, I'm praying that the system holds together. Um, praise the Lord for how many are engaging as the body of Christ online that we would be able to bring down the system last week. So let's start. In, verse, in chapter three, verse one, in the book of Colossians, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, as we say every week, we trust that this is your word inspired by Paul to write to the Colossians that is powerful even in our lives today, God, because Holy Spirit, you inspired it, and Holy Spirit, now you are applying that into our lives now. I pray that you would just open our hearts to it. God, we know that it's, it's not by chance that we've reached this particular passage of Scripture as a church at this time and what we're going through, so we're just trusting that you have a word for us this morning in it. It's in Jesus' name we commit this time. Amen. So this, this passage is referencing back to what Paul already established before, our unity with Christ. We, we've been unified with Christ in his death by putting our faith in Christ. Now, the old person, um, just as, as Christ uh, was, was died and, and buried, uh, there's a spiritual baptism through faith that happens then, is that our old self is put to death, who we are in the flesh, our identity uh, in the flesh, of who, who we were before Christ. That person is put to death with Christ, and a new person is created. So in the resurrection of Christ, the power of the resurrection, now we have new life, and that life is with Christ. And, and it's described earlier even as, as the circumcision that we have through Christ. Whereas there was a circumcision of the Old Testament that was by human hands, it was, it was flesh. Uh, now it's a spiritual circumcision through Christ. That previous one was a sign pointing towards what would ultimately come through Christ where the whole body of flesh then is considered a dead with Christ, put aside and now we are raised to new life in Christ, even as Christ was raised from the dead. So that's the background, the context then that he's coming into this, and he's saying, if then you have been raised with Christ. This isn't, this isn't a question, this is just uh, rhetorical to say, now you have been raised with Christ, this is where you're at now, then you should be seeking the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Setting your minds on the things above, not things on earth. And again, he says in verse three, for you have died. You, the, the body of flesh, who you are apart from Christ, before Christ, that person has died, has been set aside. And, uh, and your life, the life that you have now in Christ is hidden with Christ in God, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So spiritually, who I am is not even here. It's with Christ. And what we find in Ephesians is that who I am there with Christ, I have every spiritual blessing with him in Christ. And it says, when Christ, now looking towards the future, when Christ, who is your life, our unity with Christ is such that we can even say, he is my life. My identity is found in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, on that day in the future, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as we look forward, we know there'll be a day when Jesus will be, will, will be manifest. We'll see him, he'll be known, the world will see him, and at that time it's saying, who you are in truth will also be made manifest with him. 
And so now he says, given that that's the truth, the state of what you're in right now, and that's the hope that you look forward to, so now seek the things that are above where Christ is. Set your minds on the things that are above. Why? Because that's where Christ is. That's where I am. That's where truly who I am is there in Christ. Also in this context, the Colossians have, have, are dealing with outside pressures, and that's what he was addressing in chapter two, is, is these pressures from outside teachers that would say, no, this is, if you're gonna be a religious person, this is what you need to look like, from the Jews and from, and from other religious leaders or religious people saying, this is what you need to conform to, and, and what he was saying before is you have all that you need in Christ. You don't need to conform to any of those pressures. Primarily what those pressures had to do with was outside appearance. You need to look a certain way. You need to do things a certain way. And, that's, and, and he said, no, who you are is in Christ and, and what you are isn't even in this world anymore. He says, why are you, if, if you don't even live in this world anymore and who you truly are, why are you acting as if you need to worry about that. So he's saying, Colossians, you're so caught up in what's going on now. You're so worried about these pressures you're getting from other people and what's going on now. That needs to not be your focus. You need to look outside of that. I'm reminded of, of my kids uh, a couple of my kids like to play soccer. I played soccer growing up. And when you're playing soccer, uh, you're, you've got the ball and you got your feet and you're trying to control the ball and move the ball and then you get these other feet come into the picture and they're contesting you for the ball and, and you get past one pair of feet and you're just met with two more pairs of feet. And, and it's just, it becomes chaos very quickly as all this pressure is coming in around you as you're contesting others for the ball. But then when you step outside of that as a parent on the, on the sideline watching your kid play, you're going, hey, look, there's someone open right there you could pass the ball to. But they're so engrossed in, in what's going on right here, they can't see that. <coughs> or maybe, look, it's an open shot. Shoot the ball towards the goal. No, they, they're so enwrapped in what's going on right here, trying to contest and control the ball, and that's everything they can do right there. They, they can't see the goal. And so what do you say? You say, look up. Look up from what's all this right here, and, and look up and see what you're supposed to be seeing. That's what he's saying to the Colossians, look up. That's what he's saying to us right now as in 2020, as we're going through all of this with the, with the coronavirus and everything else, look up. Not towards uh, another player or the goal, look up to Christ, where Christ is. The source of direction, the goal of where we're supposed to be going, our source of help, everything that we need is in Christ. We're so enwrapped in just surviving right here. We need to look up. That's our first point this morning. If you're following in the notes, look up. Which, by the way, if you need the notes uh, and you want to print those out, uh, and you're on our website there in the live feed up on, on the right there's a notes tab and you can click to download a copy of those. So we need to look up. That's where our source of direction is. That's where our source of help is. That song that we just sang. 
I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? That, that song is pulled out of uh, Psalms. Let's turn there. Psalms 121. And this series of Psalms from Psalm 120 through Psalm 136 is, is a, a set of Psalms they call the Great Hallel. The, it's, it's worship. And it's, it's a set of songs that Jews, three times a year as they made a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for three different feasts, would sing these songs. And, and we know from Luke chapter two that Jesus with his parents, Jesus when he was 12, uh, journeyed with his parents and their family and their acquaintances, uh, big group traveling to Jerusalem uh, about this time of year because they were going for, uh, for the time of the Passover. And, uh, and so Jesus there as a 12-year-old boy along with all their friends and acquaintances would have been singing these songs as they, as they uh, made their way towards Jerusalem. And, and these early songs uh, are more as if they're from a distance. And we see in, in Psalm chapter 121, uh, starting in verse one, it says, I lift my eyes to the hills. You know, they're walking along, they're traveling, they're gonna see hills ahead of them. And as they're looking out, they say, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? It doesn't come from those hills. It comes from the one who created those hills. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Little did they suspect those friends and acquaintances, that large group that was on their way to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast that the one they just sang about, my help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth, was that 12-year-old boy there walking with him. The creator of heaven and earth right there. Later on as he gets older, he does go in and speak scripture and say, this is being fulfilled right in front of you. I am the one this is speaking about. But right now, as a 12-year-old boy, he's not saying that yet. But I'm sure he knew. My help comes from the Lord. Jesus is my Lord. He is the maker of heaven and earth. That's what we learned at the beginning of Colossians. Jesus, the creator, all things held together in him and for him. In verse three, he will not let your foot be moved. As we look to Christ, as we seek Christ, he is the source of our help. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He never stops. Even, even if I stop, even if I stop looking towards him, he doesn't stop. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. He never stops caring for us. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That is truly a forevermore. And we see that in the context here even as we set our hope on that day when we will see him and who we are truly will be manifest with him. 
And so it says, seek where Christ is. Seek the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. Set, set your mind on the things that are above where Christ is, not the things that are on earth. What are the things on the earth? What is it? Certainly, in context, we see the pressures uh, on the Colossians to conform to something that the world wanted them to look like. We get those pressures, too. (laughs) This past week at Walmart, I was just going there to pick up a couple of things, and uh, I had grabbed a couple gallons of milk because my family drinks a lot of milk, and I was heading into the self-checkout area, and a lady there said, I'm sorry, sir, you can only buy one gallon of milk at a time. And, and I just felt so foolish, because there must have been a sign there, and I just totally missed it. And I, I kind of knew that already. They were restricting these things. And so I said, I'm sorry. And she said, oh, I can get somebody to take that back for you. I said, thank you. Um, and so then I'm a little bit flustered, and you know, I, you know I'm, I'm not doing things the way they're supposed to be done. And I, I continue to start checking out my things, and I started to feel like I really needed to sneeze. <laughs> and it kept growing. I'm not going to sneeze. I'm just going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. Oh, but it got stronger and stronger, and I held it, and I held it, and I was almost done checking out. I could hold it no longer, and I barely got my arm up in time to just let out the loudest sneeze that just reverberated throughout Walmart. I'm sure everybody with their face mask on just stopped in that moment. They heard that sneeze, and and even the guy who was, the poor guy returning my milk at the back of the store probably heard that sneeze. Needless to say, I quickly finished bagging my things and headed towards my car. We worry about what other people think of us in every sense. On the grand scale and a small scale, those are real pressures on our life. He says, why are you worried about that? This isn't even your life. My life is with Christ. I want you to set your mind on the things where Christ is. So what are the other things of this world? He says, don't have your mind set on the things of this world. What, what other people think about you? Also, it, not, not just what, what I look like in the eyes of others, but the things that I want out of this world. The things that I want that I don't have. You know, it, we, we look at those things and we're so used to con- continuously wanting something that we don't have that we don't even think about what that is. But what is that? That's covetousness. I want what I don't have that someone else has. I'm coveting, and God says that's sin. Uh, you don't need to live in that. Don't worry about what you have. This isn't even your life. Your life is with Christ. Other things that we want out of this life, we, we want to satisfy appetites. There's so many things that feel good, that taste good, that look good. Whatever that appetite is uh, that, that we want to just, we work hard to get to a point where we can satisfy appetites. We used to say, when I was growing up, we we would work hard and play hard. You worked really hard so that you could play really hard and just uh, enjoy as much as you could in in a solid time of vacation. What are we trying to get out of this life? 
What are we seeking? What are we setting our mind to? He says, don't set your mind to the things of this world. But set your mind where Christ is, where my life is, in him. So what does it mean to set my life on the things where Christ is? To seek the things where Christ is? Consider what it will be like on that day when we're in his presence. What will it be like when we fully have, have become who Christ is making us to be and we are there in his presence in heaven with him? What will relationships be like there? Will we be trying to have something that we don't have? No, because we will be absolutely fully satisfied in Christ, in everything that he's already right now preparing for us there, every blessing, we will have all of it. We won't be seeking for something else. We'll just be satisfied enjoying what we have in Christ. Relationships. Well, will they be struggling relationships like we have here where, where, where we're, we're trying to work things out, we don't understand each other? No, there, there will be perfect trust. There will be no reason to doubt. That there will be love, that mutual love from parties where there's perfect self-sacrifice showing the character of Christ towards each other in a way that, that we, we've never experienced in this life. That's what we have to look forward to, and as, as we see that, the reality is, is, is that we can have some of that now. There, there, there's part of what we look forward to is, is really the, the reality of our life now, because it's not someday I will be with Christ, Spiritually, you are with Christ right now. That is who you are. And so he's saying, seek the things where Christ is. Relationship that's, that's built not on what I can get out of it or protecting myself against getting hurt, but a relationship that's completely built on self-sacrificial love to say, it's not about this body here. It's not about anything that I have here. I am going to love you even if I get nothing in return. And when that starts to become a reality within the body of Christ, the people that have been called, who have, who have been had their eyes open to see the glory of what set, is set ahead of them, and they start to practice those things now, there is an incredible unity that happens among people who love each other in that way. There'll be no pain. There'll be no sorrow. There'll be no fear of something coming through and tearing us apart from our loved ones. Jesus will be enthroned in the hearts of everyone there. And so he says, that's what I want you to seek even now because that's who you are even now. Look with me in Romans chapter eight. Verse five and six. 
says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. There we go again, the things. When you start looking for the things in the Bible, it's amazing how many times, just the things. Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. How does it become a reality in my life to set my life, my, set my, my, uh, my ambition and my, my mind and, and to seek out the things that are there with Christ when I can't even see that? It's because the Holy Spirit has been given to me to set my mind on the Spirit and what the Spirit is teaching me through God's word, what the Spirit is guiding and convicting in my heart that's how what's there with Christ, with who I am in reality, becomes a reality here now in this life. To set my mind on the Spirit. There's the things of the flesh or the things of the Spirit. So my question, the second point this morning is, what are the things? Now look at my own life. What are the things that I'm seeking after? What are the things on a daily basis that I'm setting my mind to, that I am pursuing as the chief concern in my life? What are the things? Maybe you're saying, Pastor David, they're, they're not bad things, they're good things. I, I'm just worried about my family eating tomorrow. My family having the things that they need. It is hard to get a gallon of milk. Sometimes there isn't any. There's those crazy guys trying to grab two gallons. May, maybe the things is just that, that we'll be able to make it through next month financially because right now a lot of people are losing their jobs. A lot of companies are going, maybe, maybe the things that you're pursuing is uh, I, we just need to stay open. We need to, at the end of however long this thing is going, we need to still be alive as a company. How are we going to survive this? In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus gives instruction. While Jesus was here on the earth, he knew where this was headed, where he would be there enthroned in heaven and we would be looking to him and, and we'd be receiving this instruction to, to seek out him, to seek the things that are with him and what he's doing. And he said, don't worry about what you're gonna wear, what you're gonna eat, what you're gonna drink. He said, your heavenly father knows that you need these things. See, I th these things shows up everywhere. The things that you need here within this life, there are things that you need in order to survive. He says, don't worry about those things. Your father knows that you need them. He will care for you. Where should your focus be? And he gives it to us right there. Seek first the kingdom of God. Where's that putting my focus? Up. Look up. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the character of Christ. That's the fullness of the character that I will one day have there with him and enjoy with him and enjoy in my relationships with, with you. He says, seek that righteousness in your life even now. His kingdom, his righteousness. And then it says, all these things shall be added to you. God's gonna take care of what you need. 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Earlier in that same chapter, Jesus teaches us how to pray. How does he begin that? Father, who art in heaven, hallowed, sanctified, great be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is that? It's the same thing again. It's, it's seeking that what's there in heaven, the reality of, of what we look forward to someday of enjoying completely, coming and being a reality even now on earth. He says, let that be the thing that you seek and what you set your mind to. What's a practical change I can make in my life to cause myself to look up? What's a practical change you can make in your life this coming week that would cause you to look up? In Deuteronomy chapter six, as God is giving the Israelites direction, at that time they, have the, they had the word of the law, God's instruction for them. And he tells them all of the ways to, to dwell on and focus on and seek the word of the law, to, to write it on your doorpost and, and write it on your gates and put it on your wrists and your forehead and, and to speak about it when you're walking by the way, when you lie down and when you get up. Well, well now the word of the law, the law has been fulfilled by the word, the logos, Jesus Christ. And so we can substitute into that instruction Jesus Christ, who he is and his righteousness. To write that on us, to seek that as we, as we lie down and we rise up and, and everything we do to seek him and as we open the word, we now recognize it as the word of Christ given through the Holy Spirit. And so if I was gonna change one thing and I, and I would challenge you in this, to just take a little tiny piece of the instructions of Deuteronomy 6 and apply that now into my life to say, when I lie down and when I rise up, any of us can change five minutes of the day. You, you could accomplish, you could take any challenge for five minutes and survive it. And any of us could, could wake up five minutes earlier than normal and go to bed five minutes later, and right now you got nothing else to do, you're stuck at home. So here's the challenge. The very first five minutes of your day when you wake up, and it might be half asleep, to wake up prayerfully in thankfulness and to seek the Lord in his word. Don't open your phone to social notifications. Don't open anything else. Maybe your Bible's on your phone. If that's too much of a distraction, get a real Bible. Or maybe, more, maybe get a devotional or get something to where the first five minutes of your day is lifting your eyes up to the Lord and seeking the things that are there, to meditate on him, to be thankful to him for what you have, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus there with him. And then the last five minutes of your day, don't let it be reading an email. That's kind of the worst thing you can do often before going to sleep. Don't let it be checking social media. Don't let it be any of those things Turn all of those things off and let the last five minutes be dwelling on the word of God, on Jesus, in prayer, lifting your eyes up. 
And if, you, if you've never done that before, you don't know how to do that, well, well figure it out. You can open your Bible, o- open it up to one of these New Testament chapters, maybe even read Colossians that we're going through. Uh, there's, there's an app for just meditating and dwelling on the Lord. It's called Dwell. Uh, we have a license to that through our church. If you go to our website, you can get a free invite license to that. Put that on your phone. And I've been using that when I go to sleep. It actually has playlists of scripture for as you fall asleep. Put that on there. Put some psalms on there. It's just simply dwelling on the word of God, praying to God, being thankful to God. And so the last point The fill-in is, yes, I will take the one-week challenge. And and I did it in a way, so if you're OCD and you've got to fill in these fill-ins, I'm sorry, you're just going to have to take the challenge. Yes. And even if you put no there, it still sounds like you're agreeing to it. No, I will take the one-week challenge. You can't win. No, you can win. Because if you start looking up and seeking the Lord, that will have real change in your life. And and my prayer and expectation is that it will change the rest of your day. So that it's not just five minutes at the beginning and five minutes at the end that you're looking up. Because God has given us eyes to see his glory. That's the other part of what what he established there at the beginning coming into Colossians is is that what Christ has accomplished on the cross is to take us from a place of being blind, blind in our sin, to not even be able to see and understand the glory that we will have one day. And because our sin now has been taken care of, put on Christ, nailed to the cross, that the legal demands of our sin has been satisfied in Christ. So now, as I look up, I can see because God has taken down the barrier of my offense, and now I can be made right with God, reconciled to God, and I can see the glory and expectation of hope that I have in Jesus Christ. We can see that. Our eyes have been opened to that. So let's look up with eyes that have been opened to see We're going to sing a last song here, Amazing Grace. The song's been around for a long time. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, a sinner like me. I once was lost, now I'm found. That's what it's like to come to faith in Christ. I was blind, but now I see the glory of God of hope that I have in Jesus Christ. Let's worship the Lord together as we sing this. That taught my heart to fear the 
chains are gone. I've been set free. <laughs> God, thank you for setting us free in Jesus Christ. Why would I want my focus to be anywhere except for on you, Lord? God, the more that I set my focus on you, the more I realize that the things of this world, the things that I want out of this world are just a barrier between me and you. And the more that I, I meditate on and get to know what it's going to be like to be with you and what I have even now in you, God, the less I want the things that are around me. 
God, the more that I, I value relationships, because those, God, are things that are going to carry through eternity. The more I value loving others, God, because that's part of the glory that we're going to experience then and we can experience now in relationship. God, grow my heart. Grow us as a church to set our minds on you, to seek after the things that are there where we are set as a church already with every spiritual blessing in you, Lord. It's in your holy name, God, that we pray and that we live. In Jesus' name, amen.